So I bought my dog underwear. Yep. She's not uh, incontinent or anything. She's just, uh, well, she's a lady and she's on her moon cycle. She's not, she's not fixed. I never got it fixed. When she was a puppy, um, she had, she had two other siblings or not siblings, but two other dogs. Uh, I had two other dogs and one was a, another girl who was also not fixed and the other was a male, but he was fixed. So I just never saw a reason to, uh, get the girls fixed. Um, the other two have died and, uh, you know, now 11 years later, Lumpia is not fixed. And now it's, you know, I'm not going to put my dog through a surgery at 11. And then also, you know, they charge by the pound for that. It's fucking crazy. So it'd be, you know, extremely expensive. Um, let's actually find out how much does it cost to spay your dog? Um So, yeah, so I thought it would be around $500. And yeah, so it's saying around, so it says typically between $35 and $400. Um, so anyway, even as much as $600. And, uh, you know, it's just not worth it. She doesn't uh, go around other dogs. There's no risk of her being pregnant. And I understand that it might, um, you know, improve some aspects of her demeanor. Um, but I don't know. I've just never done it. Don't be mad. So anyway, um, she bleeds all over the place from time to time. And uh, normally I, I would just kind of clean it up. Is this gross? <laughs> Whatever. Normally I would just clean up after her, but, um, all the, my other houses have been wood floors and now I'm in a place that has carpet and, uh, yeah, it's just not, not good. So I bought her underwear. She has three pair of underwear, a black pair, a purple pair, and a pretty pink pair. And, uh, she's a big girl. So like when she moves, like it shifts and it, you know, doesn't stay on that well. I constantly have to readjust it for her, but I will say this, uh, and it's been great. I mean, it's, it's doing its job and I'm very happy about it. And, uh, you know, it, it's great, but I will say this, it is very unnerving to walk into a room and see your dog laying on her bed with her panties around her ankles. Like <laughs> it is fucking weird. Um, Cause you know, they'll shift when she shifts and sometimes when she lays down, she'll adjust and they kind of like slide off, but she, she doesn't have any problem with them. She's totally comfortable in them. She almost seems to like enjoy it. Like when I put them on, she's like, she gets all happy, but um, yeah, it's weird when they're like down around her, feet it's just it's super weird and uh it's like an old person you know it's like come here let me put your undies back on it's very weird anyway welcome to porb <laughs> um if you're listening on itunes don't forget to uh rate and review and uh if you're watching on youtube same thing like and subscribe hit the notification bell so you're uh you know always up to date on all the new episodes i'd appreciate that very very much uh and if you're listening anywhere else do whatever it is there review it there. I don't know. I just use, uh, podcast, Apple podcasts and, um, uh, YouTube for things. But if you use other things and, you know, help me out there too. So last week I said that I would be revisiting Batman Begins. And as a man of my word, I did. So let's talk about it. I've said it before about other movies. I said it about Wonder Woman, but it's always a bad sign when they show the superhero in the beginning as a little kid and they fucking do it here too. Nolan does it here with this bullshit scene of Bruce Wayne as a kid running around playing with Rachel and this whole, if you, have, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to spoil the shit out of it. So, you know, whatever, just go watch it or don't and just listen to me rant about it. It's like a thousand year old movie now. Um, so Bruce Wayne is a little kid. He's playing on his estate with this girl and they're running around. He falls into a, uh, a well. And I, it's like, 
There was no need for this. Uh, there's a reoccurring thing in this movie um, where everything has to tie to everything else and connect to it. Like, so it's like they want to show that Bruce is afraid of bats and they do it twice, which is like so unnecessary. And the first time it's nonsense. He falls into this well and uh, then all these bats fly out and he's terrified, but he like floats up for some reason, whatever. Um, but the floating up thing is just, you know, symbolic, but anyway, so it shows that he's scared of bats. And then his dad gives this very ham fisted line about like, you know, the bats were actually scared of you and whatever. Um, it's super, super on the nose and unnecessary. So this whole beginning section starts off terrible. You don't need this scene at all. You don't need it because very shortly after they do the Wayne's at the opera scene where, you know, right before his parents are murdered and um, fucking crime alley. And like they're watching a play and then there's these characters in bat costumes and it's freaking him out. And that scene was actually super effective. Like they could have just done that. Um, but it's like this first scene they wanted to establish the Rachel story, which is totally unnecessary. And it, always gets in the way this Rachel and Bruce love story is like a constant uninvited guest in this movie it just butts its head in it's like someone who just pops in unannounced you're like fuck like you're not offensive just by the nature of who you are but I don't need you here right now and I, I didn't want to see you it's not what I signed up for all this stuff so th this Rachel's they're establishing the Rachel and Bruce thing which is like awful and obnoxious then they're establishing that Bruce Wayne is afraid of bats. Totally unnecessary, especially because they do it, you know, moments later. And they're establishing that there's this underground cave system um, under Wayne Manor, which, again, is unnecessary because they establish it again later. So this whole section you could skip. Um, they go to the theater, and it's like all the... all Everything that his dad tells him is just so ham-fisted it's to establish like his father is this great man and a pillar and is teaching bruce right from wrong but it's like bruce is just a child he's eight years old like these lessons don't have to be so for the movie these lessons don't have to be so upfront and in your face like even if you don't know the story of batman it's not necessary to establish these things right away in these comic book movies they have to dilute the character so much to just one aspect like, they do the same thing in Wonder Woman, you know, where they just give these very ham-fisted lessons that, you know, then establish completely who they are later. And it's only this one note. It's very uh, obnoxious. So I'm, I'm going to kind of bounce all over the place, I think. I'm, I'm going to look at my notes here so I don't leave stuff out. But um, And it's cutting back and forth between Bruce as a kid and then present-day uh, Bruce Wayne as, like, a... A uh, criminal learning to think like a criminal and all of that stuff like Bruce Wayne learning to be a criminal and stuff like that. I, I loved, I think that is great. It, it's a great um, story to tell. The movie should have been more about the beginning should have been more about that. Um, I didn't need the Bruce as a kid stuff. And I'll say this. I don't like Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne or Batman. I love him in other things. Um, but he is just so stiff and, um, emotionless and I, like every, he's just so stiff. It, nothing feels authentic to me with him as Batman or Bruce Wayne. And this, I hold idea that Batman is like a emotionless robot ever since that started, it, it derived after the Frank Miller stuff in the 80s where Batman got like super gritty and dark. And then it just kind of evolved into this thing where Batman feels no emotion. And it's not only stupid, it doesn't fit the character, but it's boring as fuck to watch or read. I don't want to watch a character that has no emotion, that has no up and downs. It's one of the things that like the animated series outside of the great comic books. but like, So you take Batman outside of the comics the animated series is by far the best iteration of Batman because it totally nailed it. 
Bruce Wayne pretends to be this kind of dopey guy and a playboy, but he also laughs and has fun. Even as Batman, he jokes and he's very serious, but he's compassionate. Um, and then these Batman movies, they never make Batman compassionate. Never. And uh, they, again, they opt for like the old, you know, Frank Miller, old, grizzled, you know, tired of everything Batman. But it's like, that's only, that's a, it's one note and it's only an interesting note for a little bit. And then only if it's countered with the opposite of that. So you would need the Robin character. That's why Frank Miller made the Robin a young girl in those books too, because it counteracts the Batman's harshness. But in these movies, they don't do that. So Bale is boring as fuck. Um, you know, even the 89 Batman with Keaton, which I love so much. Um, he, he was very, he wasn't like super emotional and he was rather dry, but he was super charismatic and his kind of neurotic, he played it more like neurotic, like almost like a Woody Allen version of Batman kind of at times. Like his Bruce Wayne was like a little, um, you know, stuttering and, and kind of, uh, um, I don't know, fucking Keaton nailed it. Shit, he knocked it out of the park. He doesn't get enough credit uh, for how good he is. Uh, it's overshadowed by how good the movie as a whole is. But he, him, as Bruce Wayne and as Batman, so fucking good. Um, so anyway, Bale is uh, in like some kind of Chinese prison. And they do, they do these comic book one-liners, but they just... Those types of one-liners work really well in the comics... But they often don't translate well to movies. And if they, if you do put them in a movie, you have to do it in a much better way. You have to kind of round about your way to it, you know, work up to it. But so he gets in a fight with these guys, these like bunch of prisoners, six of them. And then the guy, the main bad guy prisoner goes like, I'm the devil. And then Bale goes, you're not the devil, you're practice. And they start fighting. It's. The dialogue in this movie is really bad. It's really bad. I didn't notice how bad it was at first when I first saw it. Um, and I will say, like, the movie got worse in my head over time. And watching it, it's not as bad as I remember. But there's also glaring problems that I didn't notice before. So, the, you know, the dialogue's bad. Um, one thing I'll say, though, the whole movie looks great. Nolan knows how to make a movie. He shoots on film, so it has to be lit well, you know, it's a well-made movie, so it looks great. Um, so then you go into the jail cell. They take Bale out of there because he beat the shit out of all these prisoners. And then there's Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul, however you want to say it. And now we run into the first big, big problem here, which is just the whitewashing of characters. Of And particularly they do it with like Asian characters in these comic book movies where they always have to turn Asian characters into white characters. It's, I don't, I don't get it. Um, I mean, it's just racism and <laughs> white supremacy, I guess. But, uh, so it's, it's Liam Neeson. Now I love Liam Neeson. Um, and, and he does a fine job, but it, it you know, it, it just stands out. Like, you know, Rachel Ghoul is like old as time. And, you know, in the comics he's, and in the animated series, he survives by reviving himself in the Lazarus pit. And he's just like a really interesting and kind of mystical character. And so they make him, you know, kind of like businessman-y, which is fine. It's a fine take on it. Um, but he's a, a white guy, an English guy. So you're like, all right, whatever. Um, I think all overall, like a lot of the casting in this movie is great, but... Uh, some of the big roles, I just, I don't know, it, it just missed the mark for me. So you got this, also this Hans Zimmer music who made amazing music for these movies, but I always notice the music. Part of the thing with music is you're not supposed, uh, scoring for a film, you're not supposed to notice it. You're supposed to feel it. It's supposed to enhance the what you're seeing, but you're not supposed to notice it really. Even in like, you know, movies that do this really well are like, you know, almost famous or um, m m the best example is like Out of Sight. Out of Sight has Fight Club as well. Some of the best music, like as far as soundtracks go, 
but it never pulls you out. Where in here, in Batman Begins, it, I feel like Lord of the Rings too, it feels separate. Like it, the best way I could say it, like it, it, when you're mixing music, at the end you'll apply a little bit of compression. Compression kind of like helps, and you know we can get into arguments about a lot of compression or a little bit of compression. I personally like as little compression as possible. But in the end, like when mastering, I like a little bit of compression because it does kind of adhere everything together. It allows everything to exist in the same space. So when you're listening to a record, you don't hear like, oh, the drums sound like they were recorded one day and the guitars another day and the vocals in a different place on another day, which is how usually that's done. Um, so compression kind of makes it all cohesive and it's all existing in the same space at the same time. And when you watch a movie, you want all of that to exist to, to happen as well. So you want the the CG stuff to look like it's there and the lighting to look like it's there and the costumes. You want everything to exist together and also the sound. And that includes the music. And in here, I it just it, like it was mixed fine. It just the sound, the music itself, because it's so constant or maybe the level of it. I don't know, but I always notice it and it always pulls me out. So then, uh, you know, they they do the. Um, Bruce has to find a flower, hike up the mountain, and uh, then he'll be accepted into the League of Shadows. Leave extraordinary, extraordinary shadow gentleman. Um, so he does. And then they're going through the training stuff. Okay, so now, for me, and I think for most people, an origin story that is kind of rife with training montages and... Um, you know, overcoming adverse, adversary, adverse, adversary is always compelling. You always want to see it, you know, Rocky, uh, blood sport, karate kid, Batman begins, whatever, like those, the training montages and, and that, you know, schooling stuff is always compelling. It's something everybody can relate to being new at something and trying to get better and failing and then succeeding. And the beginning of this movie should have just been that. You should have started with Bruce Wayne um, in his 20s being a criminal. And then he finds a League of Shadows. And then the first half of the movie could have been those two things. Um, but, you know, they don't do it like that. So then you go into this thing where it's like Bale makes it up. And then he f has a little fight with Liam Neeson. And Liam Neeson is like calling out the stances Bruce Wayne is in. It's like how fucking hokey and hacky is this like he's like tiger tiger jujitsu panther yeah it's like oh, fuck and um so now we cut back and it's uh bruce as a kid and then they again like this movie is constantly trying to tie everything together so everything is circular so you know, Thomas Wayne shows Bruce Wayne, the child Bruce Wayne, like a gift of pearls that he's going to give to his mom. Pearls are famously the thing that gets ripped off and falls to the floor as Bruce sees his parents murdered in front of him. And it's the loss of innocence. And, you know, the beautiful thing gets sullied by the dirty ground of Gotham with, you know, blood and all that. Great. We've seen it 10 million times and we're going to see it again. But then they have to show like... You don't need to show Thomas Wayne saying, look at these pearls, huh? I'm going to give these pearls to your mom. You don't have to do that. And then it also kind of devalues it that, like, these are brand new. That, you know, if you just saw her wearing them, you don't need any explanation to know that these are valuable. We know that they're valuable. They're billionaires and, you know, pearls are expensive. We get it. So, uh, you know, they, they... Then they're in the... Play. And again, now this scene of Bruce being freaked out by the bats in the play, I loved. And this is all you needed. Like, oh, he's just scared of them. Most people are inherently scared of bats. You don't need to like constant. No, no. Bruce is afraid of bats. And then Bruce wants to make other people afraid of bats because he's going to use his fear against them. You see, there's just no subtext in this movie. It's all text. Um. So, uh, you know, you see and the bats come and Bruce like, I got to get out of here. And that's ultimately what leads to them leaving the thing. And I like there's this little moment where Martha Wayne. Why did you say that name? Where Martha Wayne is like, uh, Bruce, why did you want to leave? Are you OK? And then his dad steps in and like, he's like, oh, yeah, no, I wanted to leave. I, you know, whatever. And it's, my stomach doesn't feel well or something like that. And it was a really nice moment. Like, oh, his dad is, you know, 
um, preserving Bruce's, you know, growing, uh, whatever confidence as a young man. It was, it was nice and a good lesson. Um, so, uh, whatever he dies and you know, whatever. But so they tying constantly tying things together. So you got the bats thing, and then like in Gotham, you you meet um, Crane. What's his fucking first name? Whatever the guy who plays Scarecrow, played by Cillian Murphy, Killian Murphy, dude from Twenty Eight Days Later, and he fucking nails this. I say you know I, t I don't I'm not happy with a lot of the casting in this movie, but he was perfect. I wish he would have been the villain, the only villain. You know what I mean? Like the first half of the movie could have been Bruce is a criminal and then training with the League of Shadows. He leaves the League of Shadows because he doesn't want to kill this guy. By the way, I'm obviously jumping all over the place. Deal with it. Um, and then he goes back to Gotham and he has to deal with the Falcone. The, the actor who played Carmine Falcone was awesome as well. And you can show, yeah, it's a crime ridden city and it's, Batman level crime. It was like people like to think that Batman is like a Superman level or X-Men level superhero. He's not. He's a Daredevil level hero. He's just a guy. He's just a guy in a suit. Even Daredevil kind of has powers. Um, Batman has none. So he, he fights murderers, rapists, drug dealers, the mob. Like that's acceptable. And even, you know, the Scarecrow works as he's, you know, it's a toxic drug that he's putting into people's heads and it, Scarecrow is also just a guy. So anyway, they have to tie all this stuff together. Like Scarecrow is ending up working for Rachel Ghoul and filtering money through the Falcone fight. So it's all connected. It's just like, you don't need to do this. Um, what else do I have here? So then, uh, and it is all convoluted because they're com jumping back and forth between the timelines in the beginning of this movie. So it's like you could have cut out all that kid stuff, Bruce as a kid, more time training. It's more interesting. Um, when they're showing Bruce older, like, because now they're also showing him before he's joining the league, when he like goes to the court and he tries to, he, he goes with the intention of killing Joe Chill, the guy who killed his parents, and he ends up not doing it because somebody else kills him and he wants to watch. And the whole time, they're kind of trying to establish that Bruce Wayne, at this point, before he leaves Gotham initially, at this point, he is like a selfish uh, brat, essentially. He's a rich kid. He thinks his pain is more important than anybody else's. And, you know, great. It's a good thing you should establish that. But again, because Bale is so flat... It just doesn't, it, I don't know. It just doesn't connect. It just comes across as like everything in this movie is weighty and like bleak, but it's not terribly interesting or it doesn't resonate. But you know, A for effort, I guess. Um, but So they don't show him like angry or I'd rather see him angry or freaking out or furious or scared or upset, but they don't really show any of this stuff that much. Um, but I, I do like that he tried to kill Joe Chill. He showed up with a gun and he was going to kill him until... You know, someone sent by Falcone killed him so he couldn't rat on them. All that stuff is great. But he's just, everything, this whole movie is crammed with so much that it all feels rushed. Like there's never a time in this movie where it, even at the end, the, the whole time, it's a two hour movie. More than, is it more than two hours? I think it's two hours. I think it's more than two hours. Yeah, it's like two and a half hours. But there's never a time in this movie where it feels like it settles and you're, with it. It always feels like the beginning where they're cutting back and forth between parallel storylines or, or, you know, different timelines. It always feels like that. Um, so he doesn't kill Chill. Then he's in a car with Rachel and he shows her the gun and she slaps him and he's like, I don't care, whatever. And then the second she slaps him, he like instantly turns. It's like, that's all it took. Like he, this whole time from when he was eight to at this point, presumably 20, um, so let's say 12 years, he's been harboring this hatred and this desire to kill the man who killed his parents. He doesn't get to do it. He's basically think there's no hope in the world. Rachel slaps him because he brought a gun and tells him that he's being a bitch. And then he just snaps out of it. He's like, okay. 
I don't know. So he goes in and he talks to Falcone and he, or he tries to talk to Falcone and Falcone, I don't know the actor's name, but is great. Perfect casting. He's fucking terrifying. He's really scary and aggressive and he's a great crime boss. And I wish there would have been, I wish the story would have been, you could have done, you know, 30 minutes of Bruce as a criminal and then training with the League of Shadows. And then the next hour to hour and a half, you still would have had a shorter movie, but you could, and then you could have had an hour and a half of the Falcone crime family and then Scarecrow essentially using the crime family for him, not funneling it back to Ra's al Ghul, which is so dumb. Um, so then, you know, Falcone like basically humiliates Bruce. Bruce throws him out and Bruce decides immediately, I'm going to run and, you know, come back and, and he doesn't know he's going to be Batman yet, but he knows he wants to stop the injustice in Gotham. So then now you're back. I can't remember the timeline now, but at some point he, he goes against the league of shadows cause they want him to kill a man, um, that had stolen somebody's cow or chicken or something. And Bruce won't do it. So he sets the whole place on fire, which is fine. It's like he knew they would probably kill him. So he, it's not a great justification for burning the place down and killing all of these guys. Like he essentially like he killed most of the people in there. Oh, I forgot to mention like, so there's subterfuge in the league of shadows. Liam Neeson is actually Ra's al Ghul, but he's having, he's pretending he's not, he's pretending he's just another member of the league. While Ken Watanabe is portrayed as Ra's al Ghul, which I love that idea. Great. Um, but again, you know, casting problems. They're casting an actual Asian man uh, to be Ra's al Ghul when in reality it's this white guy. You know, this is a little problematic. So anyway, he kills everybody, saves Ra's al Ghul somehow. Even though his, like he saves him from falling, his arm would have been ripped out of its socket and, you know, whatever. Um, then you're back on the... Bruce leaves. He, he leaves the you know, knocked out body of Rachel Ghoul with people in this village, mountain village, to save him. Great. Now Bruce is back on a plane with Alfred. So this scene, Bruce is older now. Let's say he's probably 30, mid-30s. I'm guessing he's been gone, you know, 10 to 15 years. Let's say he left around 20. And this is how I always saw the story. He left around 20, came back around early 30s. Um there's a, now Bruce and Alfred are on a plane. Alfred hasn't seen Bruce in many years. Bruce has been declared dead in Gotham at this point. And their interaction is great. It's like the Batman Alfred relationship that you want where, and now Bruce is like more engaging and charismatic for a little bit. And he and Alfred are kind of jabbing at each other and it's great. It's playful and it feels nice. It was one of the few scenes with Bale as Bruce Wayne that I really did like. Um, so they go to Wayne Manor and then Bruce sees a bat. See, this is another reason why it was so unnecessary for that first scene as as Bruce as a young kid falling into the thing and then the bats because Bruce Wayne is in Wayne Manor and there's a bat flying around, which like, yeah, if you live in the, you know, country, it's not weird that there'd be a bat. There can be bats in your house. They can get in your house. Not a big deal. The bat's trying to get out. It can't get out. So Bruce asks, asks Alfred like something and then Alfred says, yeah, he thinks that there, there must be a, they must be nesting somewhere on the grounds. That's all you need for them. Bruce then goes, you know, around the property exploring and he finds a bat cave and you're like, great. This is great. I love how that happened. It was organic. Um, he goes in this bat cave and then they repeat the scene essentially where, you know, when Bruce was a kid, he was scared of all the bats as they flew at him. And now it happens again, again, so fucking on the nose and just unnecessary. So all these bats come flying out and Bruce's, you know, grown Bruce's initial reaction is to crouch down. But instead he stands up and just lets them all fly around him. And it's great. Again, totally effective scene. And it wasn't necessary to try it and fail in the beginning with him as a kid. Just wasn't necessary. Um, so, you know, there are some good Bruce Wayne moments, but, you know, not nearly enough. Bruce shortly tries, you know, makes a, a suit and he goes out to be Batman. And they 
They do one of my favorite things in all Batman comics and the animated series where Batman would be hiding in Gordon's office and then, you know, looking for information. And then he would talk to Gordon while Gordon wasn't looking and then disappear. And they do it here and they do it well. Gordon sits down. He's not commissioner yet. And uh, Batman's behind him you know, with a stapler pretending to be a gun or whatever, and he gets some information, you know, how come you can't stop Falcone, blah, blah, blah. It's great. It's great. It's a shadowy Batman. I love it. Um, you know, then you meet uh, Lucius, who works at Wayne Enterprises, and Morgan Freeman's great, and their chemistry, you know, Bale, and... I, okay, I don't hate Bale as Bruce Wayne or Batman. I just... A lot of it fell flat. Maybe it's just the writing. Maybe that's all it is. Um, because all the interactions between... Christian Bale, Morgan Freeman, and Michael Caine, you know, Bruce Wayne, Lucius Fox, and Alfred Pennyworth are great. I really like them. Um, so, you know, the movie's definitely better than I remember, I remember for the most part. Okay. So he's, like, constantly going back to Lucius and asking, like, does Wayne Enterprises have any technology like this? And then obviously it leads to, you know, Lucius knowing what the fuck is going on. And that whole scene is great. Um, the Batmobile is this, they call it the Tumbler. I love the concept of it, like the idea of it, that it's just this giant tank. But it, for Batman, I don't, I, I fucking hate it because like you spend all this time in the being established that Batman is a ninja. He's literally a ninja. And what do ninjas, what are ninjas known for? driving a tank around the city <laughs> what the fuck it's so dumb um the least sneaky car ever so this movie like most batman movies misses the point of the character itself these movies always focus on the fact that um batman is a really dark character and that there's good action so they make dark action movies when that is not what is interesting or compelling about Batman, and that is not why the character has endured and captivated for whatever it is, 80 years, it's because Batman is an adventure story and a mystery story. So those are the two things I always miss. They leave out the adventure part, and they leave out the mystery. And this movie does it too. Um, so it's very frustrating. So then shortly after you come to the first fight, a Batman. He's uh, he's not in the bat suit yet. He's just like um, in like a homemade suit, you know. And um, it it's shot so choppy, but he, in the the very first fight, it works because they're trying to establish that like it's chaos and and you can't tell what's going on. And you're like, great, cool, I'm with that. And they're trying to make it suspenseful and scary. Cool. But then after that, every fight scene is shot like that too, and it never works. One, because the choreography is really bad. The fighting system that they chose to use for Batman is trash, and uh, it's very big and lumbering, and it's just not good. And then the way it's shot and edited is terrible too. But for the first scene, it works because they're trying to establish it like, wow, Batman is so fast, and nobody knows where and when. It's, you know, it's ninja shit. Um, so he beats up all of Falcone's guys at the docks. It's always got to be at the docks. And then... Falcone's in a car and Batman like rips him out through the roof and he's like I'm Batman great but then so he's out in the open Fal he rips Falcone out of the roof of his car and the car is just sitting out in the docks there's nothing above them Batman grabs Falcone and then literally just like flies up into the air with him there was nothing above him <laughs> like they did this a, a few times in this movie and I for the life of me, I couldn't understand, like, why go to all this trouble to put all this realism in Batman? That's what Nolan kept trying to do, like, a reason for the suit, a reason for the car, a reason for the bat cave, a reason for this, a reason for that. And then just, like, throw it out the window when he became Batman. It was like, no, he could just, like, fly into the air for no reason. Um, so at a certain point, he gets his suit. And this is something that I hated in these suit designs where they make Batman have armor. Now, I understand from a, a, a logic standpoint that you would want armor, like some sort of body armor. But like Batman is a ninja. Why do ninjas need full suits of armor? 
His whole thing is to, to not be seen. You need armor if you know you're going to run into battle. And Batman's whole thing is he sh he's not supposed to do that. He's not trying to do that. He has to do it sometimes. Again, they're just missing the character point. They're missing the mark. Like, you establish he's a ninja, and then he does no ninja shit other than when he wants to, like, talk to, like, a good guy. He'll sneak in and be quiet when he <laughs> talks to a good guy. Um... So, you know, I, I don't like the suit design. I think it looks terrible. And then just the functionality of it, I don't like either. They do this great scene where Bruce goes to this hotel and he's got two girls with him and they're like playing in the little pool there. And then he buys the hotel. Great. Super Bruce Wayne. -y. I love it. Good job. And then Rachel shows up again, just someone knocking at your door and you didn't invite them. It's, it's so distracting and it serves no purpose to the story. They're trying to tether Batman to let you know that like he's not actually this playboy. He's pretending. But it's like, you don't need that. We know that's what's happening. And he could just say it to Alfred. They kind of do. Like Bruce Wayne's all beat up and Alfred tells him, you're going to need to convince people that you're not Batman. You know, they, they have that scene. So again, they don't need it. Um, so now you start seeing more of Scarecrow. And like I said, he's done so well. The mask design is so good. Instead of pulling him in like a typical Scarecrow costume, they do a burlap sack that's all kind of stitched together weird, but he still wears his normal doctor suit. So good. And Cillian Murphy is very menacing and scary and creepy. And, and I love it. And they, it's almost like a horror movie when he comes in, which is another great fucking angle that they just throw away to make him basically like a tertiary character that is serving Rachel Ghoul. That's what you come to find that he's like, okay, I, I, I have to get to it that, you know, there's no way to avoid it. Like, so here's the main, the main story is this Rachel Ghoul doesn't like Gotham. He wants to destroy it. You think he's dead, but he's not. And when he comes back, it, you don't feel any surprise. You're like, okay, I guess he's back. And essentially he's enlisted the help of the Scarecrow because the Scarecrow has found a way to synthesize and weaponize that blue flower that Bruce Wayne had to find to get into the League of Shadows, which when you grind up, it turns into some sort of like hallucinogen that brings out your biggest fears. Well, so technically, <laughs> they already know how to weaponize it because they use it in the beginning on Bruce Wayne, the, the League of Shadows does. But then they say that, oh no, Crane found a way to do it, so that's why he's we're using him. And then they're funnel, they're bringing the stuff through Falcone, the, the they're bringing the drugs through the the neurotoxin, no, no, neurotoxin, the fear toxin. They're bringing it through Falcone, and then the Scarecrow is putting it in the water supply. It's so fucking convoluted, and it's like you go again. You guys are the League of Shadows. You work in complete darkness and secret. Why are you going through anything? Like, just destroy Gotham. And then there's a line where, like, Rachel Gould tells Bruce Wayne, like, you know, uh, when, um, what is it? Uh, when, you know, we burned Rome and, um, where we, we burned London and we destroyed Rome. And, like, he's saying that they destroyed all these cities. That's what the League does. But yet they haven't destroyed Gotham. And he says it before, like, we tried with Gotham and it, before and it failed. And like, why? And if you want to, if the big plan is to put this fear toxin into the water supply, have the water supply go to everywhere, and then you kind of vaporize the water supply so everyone in Gotham is exposed to this fear toxin and then they eat themselves alive. You're like, one, this is <laughs> incredibly convoluted. But two, just do that. I don't, what's all this waiting around for? It, it doesn't make any sense. So, um... Also, you know, uh, let me get back to that. Okay, so that's this plan. Rayshaw Ghoul is using Falcone to bring in these drugs that the Scarecrow has found a way to weaponize to then put into the water supply and then vaporize it with this tool that they stole from Wayne Technology that vaporizes liquid. Okay, it just it's so fucking dumb. Like the story is so dumb that it's hard to even say it out loud like to. It, it, it's so fucking stupid. And this is the thing in each one of these movies, these, this trilogy from Nolan, that's the theme that Gotham has to destroy itself. Where it's like, why? I'm going to do all three of these movies, so we'll get to it. But anyway, 
Um, also, you know, in these fight scenes, I was just looking at my note. In the, every fight scene, if you watch it, the camera is constantly just panning left to right. Like it's constantly just moving in like a little bit of a like a half circle. It's very obnoxious. Um, so Bruce Wayne's at a party. Rachel Ghoul shows up. And you're like, huh, he's back, but not really because you don't really care. And then Bruce Wayne acts super drunk and kicks everybody out. I like that. Um, and then the League of Shadows do the least ninja thing. They don't kill Bruce Wayne. They set his entire house on fire. <laughs> you're like, why are you doing this? Just kill him. What do you... Ugh. So Bruce Wayne fights Ra's al Ghul. Everybody escapes. A burning log falls on Bruce Wayne. Then you get this good scene with Alfred rushes in um, and he says to Bruce Wayne, uh, you know, what's the use of all those push-ups if you can't lift a bloody log? Great. And Bruce Wayne, you know, Christian Bale gives him this look like, what the fuck? Like, I'm about to burn alive and you're giving me shit. It was great. I loved it. That's the Bruce and Alfred relationship. Uh, it's great. But then something that always struck, strikes me as weird the house is made of stone and brick and it's like an old ass castle type thing. It catches on fire and then all the bricks start like exploding and crumbling. <laughs> Which like makes no sense. <laughs> and then like later when they show the rubble of Wayne Manor, like at the end of the movie, everything is burnt to the ground. Like there's not like a, just a ton of stone and like remnants of wood. Like it's like basically nothing is there. It's just ash almost. Which just doesn't make any sense. Um, so anyway... Bruce Wayne then realizes, like, oh, fuck, I got to be big Batman now and get all these guys. So Crane is releasing all the toxin into the water supply, and then it releases it. Like, some of it starts to go out, and then uh, all the, they let all the criminals out of Arkham for some reason, I guess to, I don't know, whatever. And so people are freaking out, and there's a part where Rachel runs up to this bridge to get into the Narrows' place. You know, in, in this movie, they have, like, the Narrows, which is, like, the, the you know, the hood part of Gotham. Like, the really dangerous, you know, completely left out of the budget of the city. Like, they just don't give a fuck. It's where all these poor people live. Fuck them. Um, but they never really established, like, the geography of the city. So, it feels weird. Like, it's, I guess it's underneath. I don't know. It, it, something is weird about it. It's just not flushed out, fleshed out super well. But there's this play, part where, like, Rachel is running. She wants to get in there and, I don't know, help, I guess. And this police officer stops her. And she says, I wrote it down. Officer, I'm a Gotham City district attorney. Let me pass. And he does. Like, <laughs> what the? No cop would be like, oh, you, you're a lawyer? Go right ahead into the, <laughs> into the dangerous city. Sure. So then, like, the big plan is now they're going to use this train with this Wayne Tech vaporizer thing. Now that all the... Uh, poison water is running through the city. They're going to run this train through the city with this machine on. And it's going to blow all the vents. So then the, the t gas gets on everybody and they're going to drive it into the city's water main. It's so fucking dumb. You're like, really? A train? This is like some like 1930s mustache twirling villain. Like, Mah, see, I'm going <laughs> to... It's so dumb. Um, so, <laughs> like, again... Where's the ninja aspect here? These guys have sat, have like destroyed all the major civilizations when they get too big in the past. And now they're just fumbling around. Their big plan is to run a train into the water supply and like poison the water supply and then run a train into it. And then there's like they, the, now there's some, there are a couple shots here that are clearly reshoots. They're added in later. We're like, <laughs> um, they're showing the, a couple guys that work at the water station, the water plant or whatever. And there's like an old guy and a young guy, maybe one other guy. And they're like looking at screens. They're like, oh, everything's blowing up. Like all the... And then the old, <laughs> the old guy said... Um, he's like looking at everything happens. And it's clear like at some point while, you know, during the early cuts of this movie, the studio notes or somebody was like, we don't know what the fuck is going on. So they add in this line. The old man says it, which is clearly reshoots. Um, he said, as the train is like barreling through Gotham and, you know, water mains are exploding for whatever reason and Batman's hanging from it. Um, 
he goes, the pressure's moving along the mains, blowing all the pipes. And if that pressure reaches us, the water supply right across the whole city is going to blow. <laughs> what? Are you serious? It, again, just bad writing. There's bad writing in this movie. Um, <laughs> so then there's more fight scenes. There's a fight scene with... Uh, Batman and Rachel Ghoul on the train. Again, it's awful. Uh, the, all the fighting, the choreography in this movie is really bad. All of it. It's shot bad, but even if it was shot well, the fighting itself is not good. It's really not good. You know, it's like there's this thing like the whole fighting style they chose for Batman is like he commits his entire body to like each strike. So a guy may throw like a big roundhouse punch. He'll turn his whole body to face it and block with two hands. It's like, hey, dummy, you know what? One of the worst ideas you can do is dedicate your entire body and vision and blocking to one side and leave yourself completely open. It's, it's just so fucking dumb. Just as a lifelong martial artist and self-defense instructor, like there's there's nothing ninja about his fighting. And there's also, there's just nothing practical about it. He's not even using like, basic 101 level concepts um so it, it was very frustrating and dumb to watch and then like they do the batman thing where he's like i won't kill you um so he he said like there's this part where he they you know harken back to something earlier in the when he was training with rachel ghoul where bruce thought he while they were training he thought he got the one the he thought he got, you know, a higher, uh, fuck. He thought he got a superior position on Rachel Ghoul where they were training. And then Rachel Ghoul is like, you never learn to mind your surroundings and Bruce Wayne falls through ice. So they repeat that here where Rachel Ghoul is like, uh, I have you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. And then, Bruce, and then Batman is like, you haven't mount, minded your surroundings. And then ultimately the train falls, you know, down and maybe Rachel Gould dies and Batman like escapes out the back. But he says this line, he goes, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Which is, is a nice line, but it's really anti-Batman. Batman is, his whole thing is like, even though I hate you, I will save you. That's kind of what Batman is all about. That's why he doesn't kill people. Is because he has this insane and insatiable need to save everybody even the criminals that's why he doesn't kill people so this line where he lets Rachel Gould die is stupid because it's 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 not in keeping with who Batman is Batman would have saved him and and so anyway he kills Rachel Gould with a train which is <laughs> so dumb and now we're at the end of the movie and uh Bruce Wayne is at the wreckage of Wayne Manor. And he's wearing like a, a cashmere sweater. <laughs> and I'm like, and he's like hammering something. Like when there's construction workers here, what are you hammering? <laughs> and like you, you put on cashmere to go, you know, clean up your completely burned down house. The entire thing is in ruins. There's nothing left. Everything is black and soot and ash. It makes no sense. And also like, there's a, a construction guys there, but they're like using shovels and shit to pick up an entire mansion that fell down. Like, shouldn't there be bulldozers and excavators? Like, what? <laughs> uh, and then it ends and you know, got this line about like, you know, Rachel again shows up. It's so dumb. And then they kiss and then they decide that they're not going to be together because she knows he's Batman and because he tells her he's Batman by saying the thing that she said to him. Ugh. And then they go, you know, uh, we're going to rebuild it. And then Alfred is like, you know, maybe we should make some, you know, uh, improvements. And Bruce Wayne is like to the southeast corner, meaning like they're going to enhance the Batcave. Great. And the movie ends. Um, so all in all, it's a very average movie. But it's just done very well. Like the movie, it's the story is awful. But because they're working with great actors great character great source material and and a good filmmaker like he knows how to make no one knows how to make a film people love the movie but like again the dialogue trash the story garbage it, but it just gets by because it's it's like just it's 
pristinely polished piece of garbage. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> there's my take on Batman Begins. Um, rate and review on iTunes. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Comment below if you think I'm full of shit or what you think about it. Again, I don't hate the movie. I just, it's not terribly good. Overall, I guess I kind of enjoy it, but I find it pretty boring and and it's just not, there's no adventure. There's no sense of adventure to it. And, and you need that in a Batman story because, specifically because the character is so dark. You need a sense of adventure to get on board and enjoy it. And they just, they don't do it here. And again, the story is is awful so comment below uh, let me know if you agree disagree whatever i personally think the movie should have been uh the first half hour is bruce wayne as a criminal and then being in the league of shadows maybe even 45 minutes and then the next hour or hour and a half is bruce wayne in gotham becoming bat learning to become batman while fighting the falcone crime family and scarecrow and scarecrow's only Desire shouldn't have been to infect the entire city, but to, um, you know, he was just causing terror. He was just a criminal, maybe going around to, you know, key officials and making them scared or whatever. Um, you know, and also it, they basically just ripped off the 89 Batman where it's like Joker in the 89 Batman Joker wanted to poison the whole city in this Batman Scarecrow and Rachel Ghoul want to poison the whole city. It, it, it's a it, it fucking, ugh. Whatever. I'm right. And uh, yeah, like and subscribe, rate and review, all that good stuff. And I will see you next week. Be well, do good, make healthy choices. Peace.